When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Ludlow with the Fearless Mindset Podcast, and we have a fearless police officer from a Orange County, California-based agency. Oscar is 15 years or whatever it is with SWAT. He's a SWAT team leader, and he's with a he's a police officer, active duty. And uh, due to his uh, sensitivity, what he does, we're going to leave that agency left alone. But he is full time active duty, and we thank you for your service to our country as a police officer, Oscar. And thanks for what you do and keeping our community safe. Thank you, Mark, and. Uh... Glad to be here, and uh, thank you for having me. Of course. You know, I know everything's, uh, all these active shooting things taking place right now across the country. You know, we got uh, people training and stuff. You've actually been shot at, according to a mutual friend of ours, Tony, in Orange County. He kind of told me some stories, of some stuff that you were involved with that you actually got shot at. So your senses know about that. Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, this actually ended up being an active shooter, but it was in 1998, which was uh, a year before, by definition, that term active shooter actually, uh, you know, was developed. So uh, if you, you know, anybody who has been following or understands, you know, with these, uh, all these incidents and these shootings, uh, 1999, the Columbine incident was what really uh, resonated nationwide uh, with regards to active shooters, even though we've had them in the past. uh, But, you know, that's what really derived that, the, the name, the term. So in 1998, I uh, obviously I was a a young police officer <laughs> uh, working uh, weekend graveyards, typical you know um, rookie, if you will, right. and uh, getting off my graveyard shift, uh, got had a court. So my partner and I, um, after working a full shift, uh, were walking uh, to court when the call came out of uh, shots fired in the Civic Center area. Um, of course, you know, naturally, we immediately, um, you know, raised our, our, our radios and uh, started responding. Uh, when we responded to this, again, we just thought about it being a, a shooting in, in progress. Typically, shootings uh, for what we work with in law enforcement, we, we usually get there after the fact. We usually get there and, for the most part, you know, assess the scene, provide medical aid for victims. Uh, canvas, you know, uh, set up the crime scene and for investigative purposes. Uh, and this was different because as we were responding, the shots are still continuing. So that was, yeah, so that's different than, uh, you know, our typical call for service, even though it was a shooting related or a homicide. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, that really, uh, kind of, uh, you know, I had only been a police officer for a couple of years, well, maybe even less than that. And, uh, Really, uh, I mean, to this day, I could remember that day vividly. I've, I've been involved in other officer-involved shootings, um, obviously, since then. But, you know, this one being the first one was uh, something that uh, was not just uh, more uh, memorializing in my mind, but uh, because of the fact that it involved uh, an active shooter incident. Nevertheless, um, when we responded, uh, we could see uh, victims, um, down, we could see them, uh, running out very similar to where 
our type of training that we do now and we set up scenarios when you hear the shots officers are starting to you know now we you know we respond uh, we don't wait and uh the scene that we set up for these scenarios for our officers uh with people running out possibly shot uh, the shooter still being inside uh i live that i live that and again um this was before receiving any type of training um Long story short, uh, when we did uh, ultimately encounter the suspect, he was barricaded in a room with multiple people inside there. Um, the door was locked. We could hear yelling and screaming uh, for help, and um, we couldn't see the shooter. We didn't know what was happening. Um, at that time, a supervisor had joined my partner and I um, and um, ultimately made the decision to force uh, the door, force entry on the door uh, to provide not just a medical aid for those that were shot, but to, um, to go in and neutralize that threat. Uh, in, in the process of that, we did have, there was five of us in total uh, in a confined space. Uh, three out of the five officers involved uh, were uh, shot. Thankfully, none of us uh, were, you know, fatally wounded, but uh, we ultimately, uh, engaged the shooter, provided the medical aid, and uh, rescued those uh, those uh, um, victims. Um, at that time, uh, we we were criticized by our, you know, of our, our supervisors, uh, or at least not just supervisors, but I'm sorry, but within the uh, law enforcement community, why, why we rushed it. We should have waited for tactical teams. We should have waited for SWAT. Of course, that wasn't a decision uh, I, I could say I'd like to say take credit for, but I stand behind it. I think the supervisor who made the decision was the right decision to make. Um, and ultimately it was a, fortunately it was a success. Um, and then of course, a year later with Columbine and then things changing, uh, looking at it now, it was exactly what we were supposed to do, but at the time we didn't know it. So that there was, was no very training good. really back then. There was, it was all new. It was all a new science behavior. Exactly. 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 So it was one of those things where, um, it wasn't until, you know, several years later that, you know, we were recognized for that. Uh, they awarded uh, uh, all of us that were involved in that, the Medal of Valor, which that was nice. But, uh, you know, it was, like I said, after the fact. And, um, you know, since then, that uh, that really sat, you know, uh, dear in my heart, not just for the sake of uh, the victims and, and being able to be there and provide for them, but also for uh, our training in law enforcement. Um, the passion that I have for training, like you said, I've been uh, on our SWAT team for a little over 18 years now. Um, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about training. And right now I am uh, for the last seven, maybe eight years, I've been the lead instructor for the county uh, as in, with regards to active shooter training for all our first responders, including fire. So, um, wow. yeah, it, it's just something that, uh, again, I take it very serious. And more importantly, you know, um, I care. I care about on both ends. I care that we provide that uh, that response and that uh, for the community. But at the same token, um, I care about our officers, our medical staff. That they, uh, you know, that we are constantly looking at best practices and uh, you know, getting the training and equipment that we need. Wow, that's incredible! Just all that—that's a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience right there. Now, from the date that first experience as a rookie, that first active shooter experience as a rookie, 
and how you reacted your your psychological response to that stimulation to all the other shootings you've been through can, can you tell now through your experiences you react differently and your thought processes are much quicker and faster because you've seen it before or are they all the same or are they all different no they're they're all different but it's funny you mention it because um you know, at that time, uh, I was shoulder to shoulder with the uh, supervisor that, uh, like I said, that was with us. Uh, he had a shotgun with uh, slugs um, ammunition, and he shot all four of his rounds literally right shoulder to shoulder with me in a indoor confined um, room. And I don't remember hearing any of that. I didn't hear. I, I mean... Had he not mentioned or had they not mentioned that he had done that, I would not even have, uh, I, I would not have guessed. I would have bet my next two paychecks that that did not happen. So uh, you went so, in tunnel vision? 100%. 100% tunnel vision. Um, you know, everything from losing my, my hearing um, and having things, you know, really, really slow down. Mm-hmm. And so now I fast forward to, I guess, the one of the shootings, that, uh, my last shooting. Um, that last shooting that I was involved in, it was just me with the, uh, obviously with the, with the suspect. And, um, it was still obviously very intense and it's still, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say that it was, you know, I wasn't, you know, adrenaline and I wasn't scared, but sure. at the same token, based on now almost 20, 20 years in between of, uh, of experience and training, uh, I was able to even know how many rounds I shot. Uh, wow. I, was, I was mindful of my backdrop. I wow. considered that just prior to that because it was in the, like a street and a residential side. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just, you know, I attribute that with, like you said, with the experiences and the training that I received, but that's not to say that the next one, I won't go code black or completely <laughs> go back to, you know, being a, a shutdown. That, it just so happened. That's all I'm saying. It just so happened that I, I could, right. I could differentiate the two. Uh, but I am very much aware that, you know, we're human and, 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 you know, our reactions, I don't know how the next one will be. And I hope I, yeah. to God, I don't get involved in another one, but if Amen, that brother. Happen, Amen. yeah, it's like, I can't imagine, uh, you know, how I will respond. So to say, Oh, this is what we'll do. Uh, no, mm-hmm. not until, not until that day happens. We'll know what we'll do. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're okay. Uh, and not the man of nine lives, I guess I'll call your call sign man of nine lives, Oscar. <laughs> now, yeah. now that with all that experience that created a passion to you to write that book that you published not too long ago in part of your training module, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, with all that, I mean, I did, um, I do, like I said, a lot for the uh, first responders, but I started getting a lot of interest from uh, the, uh, the civilian, the community. You know, I started uh, providing training and awareness, uh, for schools. That's kind of where really where it started businesses, hospitals, uh, religious groups, uh, where it was now become more of an, of the awareness. So I, I found myself educating more of, uh, you know, non-sworn and, uh, civilians, uh, with regards to this type of, these types of incidents that I, uh, that became even more passionate about it. Um, and, you know, uh, that's just something that uh, I feel that, you know, the more I can educate, um, not just our first responders, but others and for survival, the better we'll be because, you know, although nothing is going to be, uh, there is no magic cure. There is no 
specific thing to do to say, you know, you do this and you will avoid being a victim or you will avoid this type of incident. Um, what I found is that with everything that's out there, the preparation and the men- the mental mindset of one is what's going to be the most critical. If you could prevent or you could perhaps identify a threat prior to that threat occurring, you're going to be so much more ahead than the most skilled or trained professional, you know, having to now be having to react to something like that. So um, that's why I feel it's important for me to, you know, share that, whether it be in a book, whether it be, you know, in, in all my my seminars, if you will, and all the trainings and presentations I've given, I, 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 I stress that uh, I think the majority of my presentation is just on that, you know, just oh, on that man. mental uh, mindset and uh, awareness and being prepared um, mm-hmm. because really um, we may never, you know, we may encounter something where we're, we have no choice and we will have to be reactive to that. So we do discuss those things, but if we could, perhaps position ourselves and be aware, situational awareness, you know, knowing you're, you know, knowing where your uh, evacuation, your exits are at, knowing what to do, being seated, you know, placing yourself in positions that were, will give you a little bit more of the advantage, uh, looking for, you know, the unusuals, and then also formulating already somewhat of a plan in the event, something was to happen, what would you do? Um, all those things are, are really become uh, most critical. So um, that I find myself now focusing just as much energy and time for that, as well as the, uh, the actual tactics and training. That makes sense. I mean, the, the psychological, like you said, is 90% psychological on how you react. When you hear bullets around downrange, blast, something the mind is not accustomed to hearing, except for maybe 4th of July. All of a sudden they hear that in the workplace, they go, what is this? this and then the brain goes scramble because it's not conditioned for those stimulations. Correct. And so then they naturally react. What is, what is the biggest uh, request or inquiries you're getting from clients out there, from corporations to business owners to big companies? What do they what what is their um, what do they want from you in a training session? So when they typically when they reach out, they just want to know first and foremost uh, what we we what we can provide them. You know, sometimes they they're not really even sure what type of training that they could receive because they've seen, you know, drills, you know, they've seen big scenario type trainings, they've seen classroom seminar kind of presentations. Uh, and so they just kind of want to know and, you know, and so what I do is I sit down with these companies and I, um, I pretty much, you know, identify, you know, pretty much the steps. And, you know, one of the first things we, we look at, we consider with anything is, you know, doing a like a risk assessment. So, wherever the location may be, a structure vulnerability, um, identifying before you start making decisions and actions as to what are we going to do in spending money? You know, it's very important to identify, and I, I know our, our, our weakness, our areas of concern, uh, and truly, you know, professionally coming in and there and, uh, and seeking that out. So a risk assessment is, is very important for any company or organization to, you know, start off with you know, identifying those things. And then even taking that next step um, would be then doing like tabletop exercises where we get um, 10, 12 of their, of the uh, department heads, the decision makers, policy, safety wardens, and so forth within those companies. 
and we, 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 we conduct a tabletop for them. Right, and right. when we do those, you identify your gaps. So you think you're strong in one area or you think you may be weak, but until we have an outsider come in and tabletop uh, a certain type of scenario or uh, exercise there with the group, um, they, they really become aware of where their gaps are at. And uh-huh. so, so, you know, I it would fill them in on those, but the majority of the training then becomes with the active shooter awareness. awareness. Quotes, you know, if you hear a lot of the terms that run, hide, fight, you know, uh, type think of Think about training. all those terms. What's that? What do you think about all those terminologies, run, hide, fight? What, does that really, is that really constructive? Is that positive or negative in training? What's your thoughts on all that? So, of course, that's, you know, when we talk about that with the FBI, with that, you know, the Fed, that, you know, when they develop these, uh, these uh, names, it's, you got to reach out for a big group, right? So it's like, how do we, you know, do say something, put something on where people will recall and remember it. Um, but there's a lot more to than just run, hide, fight. And that's where we, you know, when you break it down, there is a lot because, you know, running, initially running and evacuating a location. Yeah. Um, it, it is a strong uh, consideration. However, that may not always be the best case for you. Okay. Um, you, it, so it's all situational based. And that's where I think was when companies, when people just feel like everything is just, you know, it's just going to be black and white. You oh, oh, this is what we do. We run or not, we hide. And if we can't do that, we'll have to fight. There is, uh, that is true. However, um, there's a lot of uh, in between and it's case by case because, um, you know, evacuating and running, um, initially may or may not be. It just depends on the scenario. And so when we break it down, we start talking about different types. Um, the best, uh, you know, alternative would be maybe not to hide, continue to run and do everything you can to try to avoid it. Even though you may be bypassing the shooter. Different organizations may have different needs. And it seems mm-hmm. like there's different instructors out there. I wonder, do they are they doing a cookie cutter approach? And teaching active shooter techniques, you think, or what's your thoughts on all that? You know, I hope not, but the reality is probably. Uh, and that's the thing is because, you know, you could, uh, you know, most of the stuff, you know, I tell these companies, I say most of the stuff you do yourself, you research it, you, you do the research, you could find policies, you could send procedures, you could find, you know, what it is and being taught and trained out there. hundred percent. You don't need me to come in. I, you don't need to, I don't need to charge you to, you know, to, to fill you in on certain things. However, uh, what I found is that uh, they they want beyond that because that cookie cutter approach, you know, these companies um, they they understand at least you know most of them do that it's about them demonstrating proficiency. So it not just having a check the box a policy somebody to come in and say yeah well we we provide that training, you know they need to understand that they need to be able to demonstrate how proficient are you and and your staff on it. And that alone is not going to, is not going to cut it, is not going to make, or is not going to provide for that proficiency. And so, you know, coming in there, we, we express that, we explain that, Hey, there's different ways of doing it. If you have uh, somebody else that comes in, uh, I 100%, you know, agree that they could come in and provide this type of training. And uh, most of the time it's, it's, you know, they're on point, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. But unfortunately sometimes, yeah, I, I, I have seen, um, you know, individuals or companies come in and, and, and a professionals could tell a, a, oh, a professional okay. could come in and say, all right, this individual is just really utilizing this, you know, simple, uh, a cookie cutter, like you say, uh, approach. And, you know, they truly, you know, they don't truly understand 
the the big picture. And okay. of course, you know, and, and but but that's that's from another professional to identify it. Most okay. companies they won't know, they don't understand, so they're just going to rely on that individuals based on their credibility or just based on the position. So, um, yeah, I, I think if, if you really sit down and truly uh, ask yourself if if uh, what they're providing is going to allow them to be proficient uh, and having a different understanding, I think that's where they really will see the difference. Gotcha. Like yourself, you've been in several active-shooter situations as a police officer and on SWAT, so your stimulation and your experiences will be different from each person you talk to representing different organizations. And they may have different needs, different threats, yep. because like you said, risk assessment, threat assessment for each client. Yep. Yes, because you, you, I've seen them come in and instructors say, oh, you know what? No, if this happens, this is what you need to do. And no, no, you don't want to do that. You want to do this. Well, the reality is you don't know <laughs> what they're going to do. You know what I mean? They, we got to give them yeah. options. Shoot, we may not know exactly 100%. We hope that our response is going to be one of what we've been trained for, one that we prepared ourselves for. But the reality is that, uh, you know, until you're there, you know, um, you know, you're truly trusting on, you know, your, you know, your, your, your training, you know, uh, and, and that's why it's important uh, for them to, to understand that, you know, uh, that training that we're receiving and the experiences, you know, mm -hmm. it's so important because, they may fall back just on that, what we're being, you know, you know, explain them. And if you tell them, Hey, it's only this way. And that didn't work for them. They're going to be back to square one. They're not going to know what's happening. However, if, if we explain to them that there's different, different decisions they can make here, but the, but, but the mindset and really truly understanding like, Hey, at the end of the day, you're going to react differently. We're going to have different expectations. But here's the reality, and, and I'm going to give it to them. And sometimes, you know, like the presentations that I do, you know, mm -hmm. the first, if it's a 90-minute presentation, the first hour yeah. is all on preparation and mindset. Wow. Um, and uh, really only get into about 30 minutes of actually what it is, how we're doing it, because that'll lead to what, you, what we expect, what we really want to touch on. And then from there, they'll understand, like, Okay, this is here, but everything we just discussed, we're going to branch off into different areas, and it provides them for just more of a, of an awareness and just a, more opportunities for them, and not feeling like this is the only way. Because many of them will sit there and hear you tell them this, and in their minds, they're like, "There's no way, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. There's no way," and I and I don't blame them. You know, everyone's mm -hmm. different, but if sure. I provide them different alternatives. And I could ease their mind, explain to them, look, if you're feeling this way, it's okay. Yeah. It's natural. Here's here's these other options. And this is why we'd like for you to do it. And this is, you know, these are the reasons. Um, I found that it really does uh, open them and they appreciate it and they, they find themselves gaining more from it. So your your job and your goal and role in going into a corporation or any business entity is to try and attempt to remove the fear factor out of people's mind to when and if this does occur in their office place so they know how to react and have strength and then they have courage to respond to a perpetrator with a gun or a knife or a situation going bad really quick. Yes, 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 100%. It's like if I could get you to push out your vision 
and mm-hmm. and open it up a little bit at the end of the day you're going to make your you, you, we're human so we're going to we're going to be uh we're going to make decisions we're going to yeah. react it's when we don't have um in you know uh the ability to 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 make or have uh the opportunity to make these decisions is when we'll go like you said like a code black and we'll just kind of shut down and that's why i tell them that look for us in law enforcement we have we train to stress inoculation right uh-huh. we try we try to to put ourselves in situations where they're they're high stress and try to inoculate our brains our minds so that we become somewhat of accustomed to perhaps situations like that so that when we do encounter them mm-hmm. we're still going to be you know our adrenaline our heart rate's going to go up but we're able to at least you know break free from that and and make hopefully sound decisions but at least decisions Right. And we can't provide that always to all the, uh, you know, these businesses and in the civilian world. So, you know, however, if I really truly settle in, in your mind that, you know, this is the reality and these are the concerns and these are what to look for. And this is what can save your life and truly open their, 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 uh, their vision and allow them to think for themselves rather than just, you know, shut down and feel like this is only one, one, one way of doing things is, is ultimately is my goal. You know, at least when I present to them, I, I, I really truly try to put them at ease um, and get them that position. That makes sense. And for the viewers and the audience of the podcast, this is Oscar and he is an active duty police officer with a agency in Orange County, California. And if you have businesses out there anywhere in the West coast, um, I'm sure Oscar, we'd love to hear from you. What's the best place for them to reach you, Oscar? Uh, you can uh, reach me at the Lizardi Training Center, LTC. Um, that that would probably be the best uh, way. Um, at the same token, like I said, you know, through you, through you, um, the information okay. I could provide you, um, my information, and you know, they could contact you, Mark, and you know, Good. certainly, you know, I'm here to uh, assist and help out. Uh, uh, not just our law enforcement community, our first responders, like I said, but yeah. uh, anybody outside of that. And and it's not always at um, it's not always at a at a price, you know. Just these conversations, like we're having, and right. coming over and discussing and providing them with my mm-hmm. my experiences, my knowledge, um, and then direction. Because, like I said, a lot of it they they can do themselves. And so the audience, refresh the audience, uh, the listeners out there. Oscar is an 18 year on the SWAT team. He's a SWAT team leader, active duty cop. He's been a police officer for how many years? 20 plus years now? Uh, 24, almost 25. Wow, that's a long time. So, Oscar's got several years of experience. He's been in multiple shootings himself, been shot at. And so, he understands the stimulation, uh, the psychological approach of this, of an active shooter situation. And he can express it as a teacher into an environment to a company that wants to hire him to help their employees feel safe or religious organizations are out there. I know Southern California is a growing market. There's a lot of business down there in Irvine, Tustin area, very explosive growth right now. And they could probably use your services. And if you want to get a hold of Oscar, you can reach out to fearless mindset podcast at my email on my websites there. You can reach that that way. And then are you on Instagram, Oscar, anything like that? You're on yeah. Facebook. Okay. Uh, on both, uh, for like I said, Lizardi. That's lizard with an I at the end. <laughs> that's how we tell them that. Uh, Lizardi Training Center, uh, uh, and the uh, the number that we use for the company is eight three three 
L-T-C, prep, P-R-E-P. Got it. So preparation is the key to success. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you're on Facebook too with your little Darty Training Institute. I've seen that. Probably just Google you, you and you'll come up as well. And uh, yeah, I just want to bring you on and just create an awareness because the fact is, I mean, everybody's going crazy out there right now. We just had the one shooting in Atlanta, and then we yeah. just had something. I'm just losing track of all these shootings. I'm honestly losing track. Yeah, <laughs> no, and it is. It's sad. We started when I started teaching active shooter about 15 years ago. It's like every incident, we knew it, we, we, we debriefed it. Uh, every single time I was coming, we, we had all the details. And it's so sad to say that now as they all come in, I mean, yes, we review them, but it's just unfortunate right. when you're averaging, you know, 25, 27 a year in our nation, you know, right. wow. that's, that's a lot. You know, 25 that's a, a year, that's a lot of shootings. So, yeah, if you look down, I'd say the last four years, it's 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 in there. It's in about the mid twenties. You know, some of them even up to 27, 28, uh, in, you know, shootings. You know, uh, mass shootings. You know, on an annual basis, it's just uh, it's just it's just so sad that that we have to you know deal with you know not only the incident but the but the number of incidents. Now, the Colorado shooting that took place in Boulder last week. Did the investigation come up with any answers yet um, on? the suspect his motives anything like that yet been dissolved exposed yet i i don't know and i would not even be i don't think i even feel comfortable in in commenting on that but uh okay. yeah I mean, Fair enough. Some, some of some of these some of these is just you know it's just one of those things where these investigations take take some time sure. um there, there's a lot of work behind it and even when they do you know it's very hard to really pinpoint to say you know, what, why, and how things, you know, transpired the way they did. Um, and for the sake of the community too, I would, uh, you know, hope that, you know, we also try to keep our, our, you know, those types of like, either whether it be opinions or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, until, until they come up with a, the appropriate, you know, right. response and the appropriate investigation, because, you know, they're already suffering enough. And exactly. Uh, Very true. And for, and for having, you know, to have uh, others, you know, on the outside with, with minimal information already start, you know, commenting or providing. So I, I personally just feel like that's just not, you know, fair for that organization, for that city and for the victims. But, uh, you know, so I, 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 I like to wait for the final after action reports and, you know, um, for us to get a, a thorough reading, then I could comment on based on that information, you know, and uh, that become, you know, let it be as, as accurate as possible. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, well said. There's too many things. I've watched Facebook once in a while, and people just going off a tangent on opinions yeah. without facts of, from evidence. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. Get, they get in a tizzy tailspin of opinion, and they really don't know what they're talking about because they're not on the ground like you guys, detectives on the ground, investigating any crime. And it's like, people, come on. Let's yeah. wait for the facts before we start jumping into conclusions. And um, even the professionals, even the professionals that would have opinions, you know, we all, you know, if you, you still see, you know, differences of opinion. So like you said, wait for the facts. But, now, how is crime in Southern California? Is it, I know there's a lot of businesses, they're starting to open up COVID. They're starting to get control of COVID. Are you guys seeing an increase in calls in your communities down there in Orange County? Is it, is it getting wacky? I wouldn't say it's getting wacky, but it is, uh, unfortunately it has increased. Unfortunately, COVID, uh, you know, from my experience, uh, it, uh, not only, you know, it not only shut us all down, like we all experienced it, but for, right. for the, 
the criminal element, um, what we found was we were arresting uh, felony type crimes, uh, felonious uh, acts of uh, on suspects. And initially, in the initial stages, you know, they weren't they weren't being booked, they weren't being held in you know the jails because of that. So right. these criminals knew that hey, it does, you know, I could go out and carjack, I could go and uh, commit a robbery, um, sh- even shoot at somebody, um, and then be out the very next day, uh, or just to kind of recommit. So that that's a concern because you know we saw that we saw that happening, you know, uh, and it was all a direct result of them not taking these, uh, you know, these arrestees. Right. But, wow. But overall, um, you know, it, you know, I would, every city has their own, you know, uh, uh crime reporting data and, you know, information. Um, but you know, and that's public record. So whatever city, you know, one would live in or reside in, you could just look it up and it's all public records and you'll be able to see the increase or decrease in percentage but uh, from my, like I said, my personal experience, I've seen, you know, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's sad that, uh, you know, in the area that I work, it's, uh, it's, you know, some areas within that city are very high crime rate. So we're constantly, sure. you know, dealing with uh, these types of uh, crimes. And, and uh, you know, we've seen the, the, uh, the increase, in, increase in shootings, you know, so. Wow. A lot to cover. Well, Oscar, I know you, you're busy. I don't want to pick all your evening up, and I just wanted to get you on here and just discuss what you're passionate about, the active shooter situations out there. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to come down there probably in April and um, course out with Oscar's schedule. I'm going to have him in the studio there in Irvine, and we'll probably about to talk about the current trends and what's happening out there and yeah. more, more in depth and detail, the psychology approach of active shooter training. So with that said, um, if you need, want to get a hold of Oscar, you can reach out to me and uh, Oscar has, uh, you can probably Google Lazardi Training Institute, find him that way too. And uh, you can reach me as well. And uh, I think that's about all I got for the moment. And I just wanted to talk to about this because it's such a hot topic right now and the season we're in. And yeah, uh, yeah anything to add, Oscar? No, you, you wrapped it up, but anything we can do to help out, like I said, it's uh, it's a passion of mine to not only uh, you know, help others teach, but uh, anything I can do for you, Mark, for your viewers and provide, you know, because that's what we're in. The business is, is, is not to, to be a financially gained business. This is to help others. Most of the uh, services that I offer, uh, you know, it's not for a profit. Uh, some of it, the only reason why I charge is just because it is time consuming, you know, and, and, you know, it has to, you know, I have to require for others and myself, but if yeah. there's anything that I can do that, you know, that does not require that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, uh, to, to help and to be able to do the best and, and educate with all the experience and, and, and the investment that's been put on me from my agency. So if I could give back, that's, that's my way of giving back to the community. Well, it's generous of you, Oscar. You got, you got the right servant's heart being a police officer down there. And it's not very often you see that within people in the business world, they want to give back, like you said, and I commend you for that. And once again, thanks for your service as a police officer and covering you the bet. blue. Thank you, sir. You've been hard. Take care, sir. You too. Appreciate you. Bye-bye.